0: Well, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three. If you would. We're going to look at the the this morning we looked at the first half of Proverbs three. Tonight, just briefly, we're going to look at the at the last half. And actually look at the fourth parental appeal of the book that begins with my son. And it talks about walking in wisdom. And I think if you if you if you've read your Bible enough, you know that that' The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the third parental appeal is my son, fear the Lord. And how you fear the Lord, what fearing the Lord looks like. This this last half of Proverbs three is walking in wisdom. Okay? Fear the Lord, because that's the beginning of wisdom. Now walk in that in that wisdom. So we we looked this morning about the Parental appeals. Ah. Must be a government tool here, right? Proverbs has ten parental appeals. Avoid greed. Pursue wisdom. And I'm telling you, if you want to copy of these, we you can you can email the office, I'll we'll give them to you. Go through and look at them. Teach them to your children. Go over them in your own hearts and life. This is inscripturated, crystallized wisdom. There are ten commandments. There are ten parental appeals. And they would do well to be taught, um, to saved and unsaved uh, alike. But of course, God is such a threat to everybody, you know that would never take place. So, but believers should absolutely know these. Avoid greed, pursue wisdom, fear the Lord. We looked at that this morning. Live wisely, walk in that wisdom, and you'll find security in life. That's this one that we're going to look at tonight. Wisdom is worth maintaining. Um, You're going to see over and over in the book of Proverbs, and especially in our, our message tonight, this idea that wisdom doesn't just happen. We're not born naturally wise. You may be born with intellect. You may be born with capabilities. You may be born a pretty smart cookie, but even then you've got to put knowledge and wisdom you're not born with wisdom you have to pursue wisdom and you have to maintain wisdom and so there's this idea that you have to connect yourself to the source of wisdom which is god's word and god himself walking with him and then you have to you have to spend time in it you have to pursue it so wisdom is worth maintaining two ways to live maintain a heart of wisdom. Retain God's view of sexuality. Adultery leads to ruin and avoid sexual temptation. These are all appeals from a father to a son. If you want to see what a mother appeals for, go read Proverbs 31. Everyone knows about the Proverbs 31 woman. But before that, a mother gives four appeals to her son, King Lemuel. And it is uh, very revealing there what she appeals and I won't steal that thunder. You can go. Maybe that'll make you go study that um, this uh, th- this week. Let's read, if if you would, Proverbs uh, 21, uh, chapter three, 21 through uh, through 35. All right, let's read it here. It says, my son. Notice, there's the my son again. Let not let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. They, uh, then you will walk safely. There's the idea of security in your way. And your foot will not stumble. Another way of talking about security. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you uh, lie down and your sleep, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor the trouble, uh, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and He will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor uh, For he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. And his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory or honor, but shame shall be the legacy of, of fools. So there's three instructions, three different sections here, and I'll show you those in a minute. Uh, verses 21 through 35. And the first one is to lay hold of God's wisdom and don't let it go. That's in verse 21 through 26. Look six. Look at verse 20. 1 and 22, if you will. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. That is sound wisdom and discretion. So they shall be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Now, what's he saying there? Don't lose sight. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in focus. Keep wisdom and discretion in front of you. Don't get distracted with life to where you're not pursuing wisdom. God appeals to you and I, those who find wisdom to not let it go don't don't lose don't lose sight of it. Have you ever had to focus on something and keep your eyes focused on something? This is the idea of of life. You want to keep your life focused on something if you've ever hunted and um, you're looking way out in the distance and you can't see the animal very well and maybe it's in some thicket and some brushes, you know get a glimpse of it. And you're, you're scanning the horizon, you're watching for a movement, and then when you see the animal, you, you get a glimpse, and then you're watching, you're watching, you're watching, seeing if it comes back up. It's this same, this same idea. Now, we're not talking about literally seeing wisdom. It's talking about keeping God's truth, and keeping the application of God's truth always before us. It's something that we need to be concerned about. We need to be thinking about as a, as a, as a believer, he says, don't lose lose sight of it. Keep it before your eyes. Guard it with, uh, with great diligence. Some people uh, obtain spiritual wisdom and then they make themselves stupid again because they stop reading the Word. They pump their heads full of garbage. You know what I'm saying? Keep it before your eyes. Here's a good illustration. Henry Ford asked... An electrical genius, Charlie Steinmetz, to build a generator for his factory. And one day the generators ground to a halt and the repairman couldn't find the problem. So Ford called Steinmetz, and, and, uh, who tinkered with the machine for a few hours through a switch, and the generators were to life. And, and Ford, a few days later, got a bill for $10,000. From Steinmetz. And he was flabbergasted. He's a rather tight fisted car maker. He inquired about why so high a bill, and Steinmetz replied, for the tinkering with the generators, $10. For knowing where to tinker, $9,990. And Ford paid the bill. And you have been there before. You've been whenever I've been in the landscaping business where you're. You're mowing the grass and you're sweating and you're weed-eating and you're looking at the management just riding around in the air-conditioned trucks and what are they doing? They don't know what they're doing. Um, And you should remember this little illustration there. Uh, $9,990 for knowing where to tinker rather than doing the actual tinkering. A wise man gave a wise answer. In wisdom, in chapter 2, is presented as much more valuable than silver or gold. How much do you value material things? Well, it's not bad to put value on material things, because you purchase food with those things, you, you take care of your family with those things, you give to the work of the Lord with those things, so it's not... I don't think our idea is a vow of poverty or, you know, ah, oh, money doesn't mean anything. The idea is the love of money, allowing it to become God. But chapter 2, chapter 2 of Proverbs says God's wisdom, having that knowledge and knowing how to put it into practice is more valuable than silver or or gold. You've heard the old analogy in missions. Um, you uh, don't give a person a fish. Teach them how to fish and you'll do a whole lot better. Well, the idea of wisdom, if you have wisdom, it's more valuable than silver or or gold. And so the idea that he gives here is don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Guard it. and And, and if you do that, there'll be life to your soul. And grace to your neck. It's the idea that that there will be you will you will have spiritual beauty inward and outward. It's uh, gives life to your soul. That's the inward grace to your neck. Outward figures of speech saying wisdom will produce spiritual beauty in your life, virtue in your life. It'll produce it inwardly, and it will bring uh, bring that also outwardly in um, in, in your life. So I ask myself the question, how much do I value God's, God's wisdom? Um, because what you value, you guard. So if you don't guard something, it's probably a good idea that, that, you, don't, uh, that you don't value it. Think about how many, um, how many ways we protect our homes and our stuff. Even kids, they lock up their diaries. They, and you know, they put it in a little box. We put locks on our homes. We have all of those things. Just analogies to say the truth. Simulating it, understanding it, and then learning how to put it into practice. And I'm going to end with some really practical ways of how to do that with our, with our lesson tonight. He explains, uh, why in verse 22 and also in verse 23. It'll be grace to your soul and grace, it'll be life to your soul, grace to your neck. Then, if you guard it, if you, if you don't lose sight of it, if you keep it before you, wisdom, then you're gonna walk safely in your way and your foot will not, will not stumble. Now, wisdom is a treasure. He's talking about in verses 13 through 16 of chapter 3. He talks about wisdom. Happy is the man, in verse 13, who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding. Her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and are gained than, than, than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. Wisdom is treasure. And look at verse 17. Her ways, the ways of wisdom, is pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Happy are all who retain her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. Wisdom brings peace and and blessing. And wisdom will guide you in life because its principles are built into creation. That's what he says in verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, established the earth. The principles are built into creation. You know why uh, homosexual unions and transgenderism will never prosper? Not just because God says it won't, but because wisdom is built into the fabric of creation. And and it it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon uh, to, to figure out that men and women go together and men and men don't, right? It's built into the fabric. And so obtaining wisdom brings security. A wise man has stability in his life. That's what he says in verse... 23. Then you're going to walk safely in your way. Why do you want to lay hold of wisdom and not let it go? Because a wise man has stability in his life. You ever met an unstable person? Somebody who who doesn't hold down a job, not because of something that, uh, that they can't control like layoffs and otherwise but they just they're, they're just they're you know they're like a fly they they you know they they fly here and 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 light for a minute and then move on they just have no stability they put down no roots in a church they put they put down they don't build a family they they don't they don't do anything that's that's lasting well that person proverbs would say is a fool a wise person has stability in in their life because they take knowledge and they apply it. And that brings about stability. It might seem envious to fly by the seat of your pants, uh, never worrying about anything. You might say, man, I have so much to worry about, so many burdens, uh, so many difficulties raising these little children, going to this job, uh, serving in, in in this way, if only I didn't have all those responsibilities, then life would just be free. Well, what a lie that's, that is! It's it's not reality. A successful person is a diligent person, and one who studies his his path. Tim Hansel tells a story about being in his late twenties. And a bunch of his friends decided to sail around the world. And he says, I have to admit, at the time I was a bit worried. I hadn't ever sailed before. I was uneasy and anxious. I spent a lot of time reading the Bible and praying about it. Until it dawned on me. God wouldn't give me peace by reading the Bible. He would give me peace by reading books on sailing. (laughs) The reason you're anxious... He felt like the Lord was saying to him, it's not due to lack of prayer, but your lack of sailing knowledge. It wasn't being unprayerful, it was I was unskilled. And so I took a step I needed to let God work in my heart, and I began reading about sailing. I can remember someone asking MacArthur, do you ever get nervous whenever you preach? And he paused for a second and he thought, only when I'm unprepared. If I've studied the text and I've meditated on the text and I've applied the text to my life, I have a message to share to you. I want you to hear. I want to share it with you. But if I'm unsure of how this connection goes here, then there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, of, of stability there. there. There can be anxiety. And I think that that illustration about sailing and prayer and anxiety is a great illustration of how to connect wisdom and success and God, if, if you follow wisdom, then, then it's going to bring honor in the end and security along, along the way. And verses 24 through 26 describes the way that it does that. A wise man not only has stability, but a wise man has peace in his, in his soul. Look at what he says in verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be be sweet. A wise man can lie down and not be afraid. And your sleep will be be sweet. Um, Now, this is a perplexing verse to me. Uh, It's a truthful verse. But I, I don't exactly know how it applies to... To pastoral ministry. Um, because I relate much more whenever Paul talks about the burden of the churches. There's rarely a moment of my life when I'm not thinking about the church or about an individual in the church or a need in the church or or someone's spiritual condition or this family going in this direction or or that wife thinking of leaving her husband or, or that child in this situation. And, and, and frankly, there's a lot of times I fall asleep thinking about those things, and it's the first thing that's on my mind whenever I, whenever I wake up in, in, in the morning. And the only place I have to go to solve any of those problems or be a help to any of those problems is not my own opinions, but the wisdom, the wisdom of, of God. Have you ever had something keep you up at night? Have you ever had the experience of God giving you peace about that situation? And it really is just like, it's still there, but it's floating above your shoulders. The weight's still there, but God is is carrying the weight. A wise man or woman has peace in their soul. You know how much was spent last year in the U.S. on sleep remedies? $32 billion in the United States alone spent on sleep remedies according to time magazine last year 73 percent of american internet users went online to research health information and 43 percent looked for sleep remedies you know what the number one prescribed medication in the united states is ssri's serotonin reuptake inhibitors antidepressants according to the national sleep foundation only 56 percent of americans say they get a good night's sleep on a typical work or school night And insufficient sleep is connected to a host of of problems and now we're not talking about you know in those statistics it could be anything it could be something organic it could be something completely beyond your control it could be young age it could be being a mother it could be old age Uh, there are you know, there are just certain things that you, that you can't control. But obviously within those numbers is a lot of things that, that, that you can. And you should remember when you're listening to a sermon like this, Proverbs is a general principle. And so you shouldn't be sitting there going, oh man, you know, I don't sleep well, so I must not be a wise person. I don't think that's what God is saying. He's saying the general principle is, a wise man or woman has peace in their soul. So those things that crowd into your mind and steal your sleep out of anxiety and worry are are limited. Proverbs says a wise life lived before God will provide rest for your soul. Is there any amount of money that someone could give you for knowing that you're going to heaven when you die and that you're right with the Lord? There is no amount of money whatsoever That once you have tasted peace with God, peace in your soul, that anyone could ever give you. And that's one of the things that the world will never understand. That they can take anything from us, jobs, houses, lands, whatever it is, and you still are a man or a woman with God. And that is a great blessing. A wise person also has no reason to fear. If you would at verse 25... Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble when the wicked uh, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. Now, notice what he focuses on here: sudden terror and trouble from the wicked that springs upon you. It's the idea of calamity. It's the idea of terror, very applicable for our, our life today. You know, I like church history. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake by Bloody Mary, Queen of England, because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Ridley's execution, the night before he would go to the stake with his family present, his wife and his children watching, his brother offered to remain with him in in his prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. And Nicholas Ridley declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life because he knew the peace of God and he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms. Amen. Now, that is peace from God. And God gives his beloved sleep. Um, And because of that, you don't have to fear what, what comes next. And you can just look around and you can see all kinds of sudden events and bringing tragedy. Tornadoes and floods just over Christmas, terror alerts all around the world. And we look for the birth pangs, the coming of the Lord. And when I give you these next statistics, you will say, how could we ever see those? Because we've been in birth pangs for 3,500 years. Listen to these statistics. The Norwegian Academy of Sciences and historians from England, Egypt, Germany, and India... Calculated the following from historical record. Since 3600 BC, 3600 BC, the world has known only 292 years of peace. Since 3600 BC, and it's 2000 and almost 16. So, what is that? 55, 5600 years? There, out of 5,600 years, there's only been about 300 of those years that did not have a war recorded going on somewhere in the world. Imagine what God puts up with on a daily basis as He looks down from the circle of the earth and watches what human beings do, sees their hearts. During that period, there was 14,351 wars, large and small, documented in history books. In which 3.64 billion people were killed. And the value of the property destroyed would pay for a golden belt around the world, 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick. Who comes up with stats like that? I have no idea, but I guess somebody it's. Who can't sleep. Yeah, there you go. Somebody who can't sleep. Since 650 BC there's also been 1656 arm races arms races only 16 of which have not ended in in war and we witnessed one of those with the great president Ronald Reagan who brought down the Soviet empire the remainder ended in economic collapse of the countries involved in this case the USSR that's a lot of war a lot of terror, a lot of calamity. But Proverbs says here, do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble when the wicked, from the wicked when it comes. Why? Because God is sovereign in his providential hands. He's he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you in his hand, and nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. And 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 your 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 days are written in the book, according to Psalm 139. And so nothing can befall you apart from what, what God permits. And if it does befall you, you're a winner either way. If you go or if you stay, you go to be with the Lord in heaven, right? Verse 26 gives the reason why you shouldn't be afraid of sudden terror. Look at verse 26. For the Lord, notice it's Yahweh, for the Lord will bring your confidence and will keep your foot from being, from being caught keep you from being ensnared. It's his confidence and his providential protection the writer of Proverbs attributes for this fact. All right, let me give you the second instruction. Lay hold of God's wisdom. Number two, practice God's wisdom toward others because it pleases the Lord. Now, I hope you notice whenever we are reading in verses 27... Through 32, there's a whole bunch of do-nots. Did you notice that? Look at it. Verse 27, do not withhold. Verse 28, do not say. Verse 29, do not devise. Verse 30, do not strive. Verse 31, do not envy. All this has to do with practicing wisdom. And the target is others. Practice God's wisdom toward others because it pleases the Lord. Now, here is a specific place in the book of Proverbs where the law is applied. This is application of the law. Um, you don't have to turn there, but uh, I'm going to bring it up on the screen. But these, all, all of these uh, do-nots that I'm going to give you a list of in a minute comes from the book of Leviticus. They're commands prohibiting something found in Leviticus 19 verses 9 through 18. Now you can read that, maybe. Is it too small for you? Okay. When you reap the harvest of your hand, you shall not reap your field right up to its edges, neither shall you gather the gleanings after harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. And watch how each of these statements ends. I am the Lord, your God. You do that because I am the Lord. You'll not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You'll not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. All right? You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall... Fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And finally, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But watch this. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And there is an application of the second half of the Decalogue, the second half of the Ten Commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. In Proverbs, in verses 27-27, through thirty two is an application of that. Alright? Go to the next one. Bring up the first one there. The wise do not with withhold justice or good. Verse twenty seven, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is power in your hand to do so. Alright? Let's do the next one. Do not withhold charity. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it to give. Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without, without cause. Do not contend. Verse 30. And the next one. Do not oppress. Do not envy the oppressor, an oppressive man, or a man of of mischief, and don't choose his ways. Now, why? You want to bring those back up? Guys? Thank you. Why should you not do that? You remember how each section in Leviticus ended? For I am the Lord. Look at verse 32. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. I am the Lord. He says the same thing. This is an echo of of Leviticus. Let me give you the last one. Number three in our list. Trust in God's wisdom. Lay hold of God's wisdom. Practice God's wisdom toward others. And trust in God's wisdom. Because it will lead you to the end. Look at verse 33 through 35 should be 35 up there, but you'll give me some grace, won't you? I want you to notice how this whole section ends. It's a reminder in three verses about two paths of life. God makes it pretty simple. You're in the kingdom, out of the kingdom. You're saved, you're unsaved. Light, darkness. Father the devil, or God your father? There's two paths. Narrow path and a wide gate. There's a foolish life and a wise life. He summarizes it. Look at verse 33. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the home of the just. Surely He scorns the scornful, but He gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory or honor, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. A foolish life leads to a curse, it leads to scorn, and it leads to disgrace. That's not the life you want. You want a wise life, which will lead to blessing and favor and, and honor. And I think it's interesting how he makes this statement in verse 34. Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. That goes to the New Testament, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of God is the source. That's true humility. And God gives grace to the humble. The grace of Proverbs is wisdom. And that begins the fear of the Lord. Oh, God, you are God and I am not. You know, I do not know. You're the Lord. Your ways are higher than my ways. I look to you, I humble myself before you. And what does verse 34 say? He gives grace. To the humble. And James says, Any man who lacks wisdom is to do what? Ask it from God. And what does it say about God in James chapter 1? He'll give liberally. He's the giving God who upbraids not, He doesn't hold back. He freely gives. He's a gracious God, He's a giving God, and He loves to give wisdom. He loves to show you and I how to how to live life what's your idea of god giving you direction in life you ever seen these these crazy people that that walk on the tight ropes across you know they have specials this guy prays he's a christian i forget what he says is it the walindas or something like that he better be a christian walking on a tightrope like that that's not the picture the bible gives of the will of god you feel that way you know, If I fall off to this side or fall off to that side, then I'm going to plunge into the abyss of darkness. God delights to give His children wisdom and direction. Is, is it sacrilegious to compare it to a card game? You ever played Go Fish? I think a lot of Christians feel like that God's wisdom is, is you sit there and say, Lord, is this the way? Nope, Go Fish. Lord, is this the way? Nope, Go Fish. You know, or old maid, whatever it is. That's not the way that God deals with his children. God has given his word and it's clear and it's plain and, and he wants you to have wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, he says, Ask for for wisdom. Let me give you this list and you can you can write these down. So you say, I want wisdom, I want wisdom, ask the Lord for it. Here's a list of seven practical ways that you can grow In wisdom. Seek it. Seek it. You're not born naturally wise. Since no one's born with wisdom, you have two options. Seek it or face the consequences of living without it. You ever face the consequences of living without it? I have. Seek it. You've got two options. Meditate on God's Word. Some of you are very gracious and you say, oh, pastor, thank you for spending all the time studying the Word. I never have to worry about whether it's your opinion. If you get it wrong, you're all in. Uh, You didn't do it on purpose. Um, But that's only half the equation. I would be an unfit, lazy pastor if I didn't do that for you. I'm to study to show myself approved. I'm not to be ashamed before God. I'm to rightly divide the Word of truth. But I dispense it. And you're the ones that have to receive it and take it in and meditate on it and pursue it. Um, so meditate on God's Word. Think! Um, think hard. Obey scriptural principles. Remember, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not just knowing stuff. It's learning how to apply stuff. And you know one of the best ways to become wise in an area? Do it and fail and do it again and get a little bit right and fail a lot and then do it again and get a little bit better? You practice it, right? Obey scriptural principles. doesn't matter where you start. Just start. You say, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to give biblically or I don't know how to pray or I don't know how to witness. Um, when we were in China, Woody... Wore around a Nike sweatshirt. And it just said, just do it. And he would go up to the, the Chinese and he would use it as a witnessing tool. You know you know what this says? They'd look at it, oh, Nike, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it, Woody would say. And then he started talking to them in Chinese and try to lead them to the Lord. But just do it. Obey. Scriptural principles. Start somewhere. Pray. Don't neglect prayer. Observe how God works in uh, in the world, um, the book of Proverbs tells us that wisdom comes from observing various lifestyles. There are wise men, there are foolish men. Understanding God is, has, has woven wisdom within to within the, the fabric of creation. So observe, heed, heed godly counsel. Everyone needs guidance at times, and not all advice is godly advice. Some people, even trained counselors, can actually lead you astray instead of helping you find God's, God's way. If you have a godly person and they give you counsel, heed it. And if you don't, you better have a really, really good reason for not doing that. And finally, associate with wise people. Like begets like. Um... Never underestimate the influence of friends, good ones and and bad ones. Amen? Amen. Some real practical stuff from the book of of Proverbs. Let me pray for us. Get your heads bowed. I'm going to pray that we would grow in wisdom this year. But again, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And if you don't know Christ... I would say to you that the answers to all of life's problems, God has. I can promise you there is nothing that you face that the Lord doesn't have an answer for and can't solve. But they are all locked up on the other side of a wall. And that that wall that separates you from the Lord is is your sin, your rebellion. And, And yet there's a door in that wall. And that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll enter through that door, you can have all the promises of God, all the principles of God, and all the wisdom of God. But, but that's the only way. There's only one door. And that has to do with turning from your sin and turning to Christ. Turning from yourself and your own way of life, from whatever you're trusting in to get to heaven, and saying, Lord, I i lay all of my weight on on your work. Save me. Work in me. And that's where you start. If you're a Christian, then wisdom is something we can always grow in. And I'll pray for us us all. Father, we love you. We thank you for the wisdom that you've given us. We thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as we come to an end of a year to put off the old and press into the new. Lord, whatever failures that, we have, uh, that we've experienced, um, Lord, they're gone. Not even you can change the past. And we need to, to turn from them, Lord, and not let them weigh us down. We need to press into the future. Whatever successes we've had, Lord, uh, um, they're, they're over and gone. And, and we have, you have new challenges before us. Help us, Lord, to be wise and godly people. The 2016 might be even better than the year before for your glory. Because you are the Lord, we desire to do it because you are our God and we love you. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.